So um, you are on the phone, not Skype, right? So no, I'm on Skype. Yeah, you are. I don't see yeah. that. Okay, okay. Um, so Dave, oh, there we go. So Dave, uh, if I get long-winded and we get close to commercial breaks, Dave will kind of give us a nudge on the screen there. So uh, pay attention if we have to kind of wrap things up there. But usually I kind of keep it going correctly okay. and on time. But other than that, we're just gonna have fun. All right, sounds good. All righty, babe. Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Like I said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today, I'm sitting down to chat with the in-house editor for Absolute Love Publishing and its imprint, Spirited Press, Miss Sarah Hackley. She's the author of Preparing to Fly, Financial Freedom from Domestic Abuse, and she draws on her own personal experiences of nearly a decade of financial expertise. Uh, Sarah walks the readers step-by-step through empowering plans and tools, such as learning how much money it will take to leave and how much the abuse will need to live on their own, changing the way the victim of abuse thinks about money to promote their own independence, and bring control of the victim's life back to where it belongs. Sarah teaches the reader how to break free and live in their own power with her book, preparing to fly. So I want to say thank you in advance to Sarah for hanging out with me today and sharing with my audience. Sarah, great big welcome. Welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thank you very much for having me. And where am I speaking to you from today? Oh, I'm in Austin. Austin, Texas. 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 Is it hot down there? It is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's like, it is, no doubt. <laughs> okay, so like I said in the opening, Sarah, you have this book out called Preparing to Fly, Financial Freedom from Domestic Abuse. And uh, like I said, you draw from personal experience in this book. That's book correct. Okay. Um, so let me, let, I guess maybe start at the beginning here. How, at what age did you find yourself in this relationship? Oh, um, well, I was about 25. 25. And mm-hmm. you were, you, you were attracted to this wonderful man because why? Um, well, he was fun. We'd known each other for a long time. Um, we had things in common. We grew up, you know, around each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I mean, that's, you know, like any, like any, relationship begins that's pretty much how it goes <laughs> <laughs> okay now I, I i was reading through your book getting ready for the show and one of the things you mentioned that i found i find so common is you say that before this you were so fiercely independent and throughout the course of this relationship you became very scared and submissive and i think it would help the audience to explain like how does that transition happen how do you how did you find yourself changing or why? oh little by little um i <laughs> I think it sneaks up on you. You start off, or at least we started off, you know, um, your partner will say something or my partner said something about what I was wearing in a way that, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a fight about. And so Mm -hmm. you stop wearing that outfit or you stop wearing those shoes. And then maybe they make another comment about a friend um, and it gets like where there's a fight. And so you kind of stop seeing that friend. Uh, and just you start to kind of second guess some of your own decisions. They start to make faces or comments that make you feel like, well, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you know they kind of undermine your own your own decision making. And so little by little, you start to give things up and start to change what you're doing in order to avoid confrontation or not have this person mad at you and then eventually they're controlling all kinds of things and and you'd think that the more control um, an abuser gets the less they'd want but that's not the case the more they get the more they take Mm, interesting now how long did this relationship last for you Uh, um it was about three years three years and so there's all two or three years so there's always that question that the outsider says you know to somebody that's in this, living this, is, well, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? So why didn't you just leave? Well, you know, there are all, all kinds of answers to that question, which I think is um, if you followed that uh, why I stayed Twitter hash, 
hashtag um, phenomenon that went on for a while, you'll see everybody has all kinds of different reasons. Uh Um, A lot of women, it's money. I had that issue, but I also, I was very, very sick. Um, I wrote another book about migraines that came out of that time period. Uh, And so that is, your independence takes a hit. And then you don't have as much money and suddenly you're in feeling more vulnerable and feeling like you rely on somebody that you really need to get away from and you don't know how. Okay. Now you mentioned that you were sick. Um, was he, was he at least helping you out during that part of the process or? Uh, well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by helping out. (laughs) (laughs) Was he supportive? I mean, you know, baby, I got you. I mean, you, you just, you, you want some part of the relationship to be a gym in all of the muck. I mean, I guess yeah. that would be the hope. That would be the hope, but maybe not. You know, maybe I'm just, I want something, some sort of something. Well, I mean, I was, I felt more, um, financially secure staying with him, which is part of the thing. I mean, when I was as sick as I was, I, I had, I wasn't sure that I'd be able to, do everything on my own. Um, and, and it's like I said, you know, those kind of relationships already kind of undermine your self-esteem. So not only was I feeling like maybe I didn't know what I was doing because he was telling me I didn't know, but then I was also sick, which was mm-hmm. giving me um, other feedback on that. Okay. Now, you mentioned that um, one of the common things that happens is, you know, the uh, the abuser tends to, over time, separate you from friends or whatever. Were you, was there anybody, family around, like, that was saying, hey, Sarah, come on, it's time to go, we need to get out of this? Did you have any kind of support system around you or that one person that was like, Sarah, you know, we can do better than this? No, we actually picked up and moved across the country. Oh, wow. Um, and so, no, I didn't. I didn't have any family around. I didn't have any friends around. Um, eventually, my mother sent me a book uh, that was about dealing with how to deal with controlling people. And that mm. was kind of like, a, oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is what I've got, right? <laughs> well, I'm happy to see that you are in a place now where you can find some sort of humor in it, because I know, uh, well, I can only assume going through it, there were some pretty dark days. So to be where you're at now, it's 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 nice to hear because um, that's not a not a comfortable place. Let me ask you this though: what what was that moment that you know what this is it? I've had enough. I don't care if I have the money. I don't care about my health. Um, I'm out of here. You know, everybody has a different catalyst, and mine came on, on New Year's Eve actually, which um, seems to be a time where a lot of people are kind of reevaluating things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd had a horrible, horrible New Year's Eve, and I woke up on New Year's Day and I uh, was like, you know, if I stay in this relationship, one of us is going to end up dead. <laughs> and I, that neither one of those seemed like good options to me. So, <laughs> yes. yes. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I must be a little bit older than you, but there was this movie many, many years ago, uh, the, the Burning Bed, and uh, – you know, the the options, you know, the, the conclusions of domestic relationships are never, never pleasant if people decide to stay in them. So um, I I'm, I'm guess I'm glad that you walked away. Now, did you have a plan? Well, you know, I had been, I had, I did. I had been thinking about it for about four to six months and um, had started following some of my own advice that I ended up putting in this book um, and started kind of putting money away and started trying to get some of my stuff out of the way um, and just slowly started putting a plan in place so that when that moment came and when I knew for sure that it was time, uh, I felt confident enough in, in my decision and in myself to go ahead and make that leap. Okay. Were there kids involved in the situation or no? Um, I did have a daughter, but she wasn't living with us. Okay, okay. Now, you mentioned um, that you guys had picked up and moved to some place where you didn't have any friends or family. So when you decided to leave, um, was your intention to stay in that area or to go back to where you had some sort of support system? Um, I went back to where I had a support system, but also because that's where that's where my daughter was, and, and I had been kind of uh, – 
made to to move, so I, I wanted to go back to where she was. May I ask if he kind of forced a separation from your daughter, or, or was he a catalyst for that? Or Yes. It, oh, okay. So he just totally removed you from anything that was Sarah. Yeah, I, I don't think that, um, I mean... Yes, that is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the hesitation is why, Sarah. Well, we're always, we're always, um, I think anytime you've ever loved somebody, you're always wanting to defend them. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I think it takes so much, uh, you have to have that catalyst to leave in these scenarios because you still, you always want to defend the other person. Okay. Okay. Now, in, Thinking back and reflecting back, um, since you say there's a there's a desire to defend your loved one, um, what were some of the excuses that you would make for him? Um, well, it, the cycle ends up where you start really doubting yourself so much that I would sit there and say, oh well, you know, he said I made him angry. I must have. Maybe I maybe I shouldn't have been wearing those shoes. Maybe I shouldn't have said this thing. Maybe it really was inappropriate to order a drink from that bartender. I mean <laughs> Wow. Wow. So yeah. I mean in the time that you were together, did you maybe did you learn, maybe did he come from a family of abuse? Um uh maybe encounters with his previous girlfriends? Was that just how he was con- all the time? or? Um, well, I did learn something about that, but I, for the sake of his privacy, I'm not going to okay. okay. go there. Okay, okay. Um, so after you left, uh, did he, and you moved back to where your support system was, did he make attempts to get you back, or, or was it? He a- did. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how did that go? Uh... uh- to be honest, at that point, I was scared um, because, you know, it took so much to leave and I didn't um, I didn't make a completely clean break of it in order to be able to get out in the first place. Um, but so then, you know, he came down to where I was, but I wouldn't tell him where I lived because um, I was I was afraid I was mm-hmm. scared of him showing up. Uh, so it was it, there was some. There were some there were some weeks in there that it took kind of uh, a while to get the actual break established. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, so I'm going to assume were you working when you were with him in that new place? Uh, no, I had been working um, where we had lived before. Okay. Uh, I had a full time job. Um, I was actually doing financial management at that time and. Moving required me to uh, try to do that from home, which did not work out. So uh, then I was not doing that anymore. And then I went back to writing, which I had always done, but um, I was I started doing it part time again. So by the time I left, I I had gotten enough clients that I was I was writing still part time, but I was making enough money that uh, that I could felt like I could safely make the, the leap. Okay, because there's always a concern when um, somebody leaves a situation of domestic violence, and most often the abuser will come looking for them, but you're in this process of trying to hide out while still trying to feed yourself. So um, yes. I'm, it, it, I'm assuming it gets a little tricky because, you know, I still have to participate and go out and, and about in this world, but I'm still trying to hide from this person. So um, I'm just, I'm just curious how that that work, but since you you had that clientele set up and you were able to kind of work from home, I, I guess that kind of worked out in your benefit um, there. But he, he knew where you stayed, where your family was, and, and, and those types of things. Uh, he knew where all my family was. Yeah, I didn't go there. Um, I got an entirely different place set up on my own, and then I wouldn't tell him where it was. Uh, okay. So in order, you know, because that was kind of my refuge. I mean, I worked from there and my daughter took the bus from there and I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want him showing up. (laughs) Uh, Understood. Understood. Okay, Sarah, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk some more about your book and the tips that you give. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. 
Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Today I'm spending some time with the author of the book, Preparing to Fly, Financial Freedom from Domestic Abuse, Miss Sarah Hackley. And before the break, she was um, sharing with us her own personal experience, and she was at the point where she had um, made her move and she had gotten away. And, uh, you know, I was trying to kind of understand the, the whole dynamics of when you do make that move, there's still that time frame where the abuser – is still wanting to get his or her uh, significant other back and stuff like that, but you're still trying to maintain your your distance and stuff. But I I do want to go over some of the tips that you've given in your book. Um, I think there's some wonderful things from what I have seen. One of the things that I noticed that you uh, suggest, and you had mentioned before, that you kind of had a plan. You knew you were going to leave. You didn't know have it all set, but you knew you were going to leave. But one of the things you suggest is a grab bag. What what exactly is a grab bag? A grab bag is a bag of all the very important items or paperwork that you would need if if things got really bad and you had to leave all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. If you had to leave your relationship or your house, um, you know, it includes like your social security card and your kids' birth certificates if they, uh, you know, if if that's applicable and um, any medicines that you have. Absolutely have to have that kind of all the stuff that you probably wouldn't think about needing, but you would absolutely need if you got away. And so there's a big list of that. Um, all the things that women might want to consider putting in there, any mementos, like very sentimental pictures or something um, that you wouldn't want to leave behind with your abuser. You know, listening to you talk, it, it almost sounds like um, you're preparing, you're in a war zone and you're preparing for some sort of natural disaster or something like that. Um, it's, 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 it's very, it's troubling. It's very troubling. <laughs> well, you know, that is, it is like that. I mean, um, these relationships don't get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to believe that they do, but they don't. They just tend to escalate further and further. And so even if you know, it's recommended, and I'm not the only, I mean, there's, it's all over the, you know, internet and everything. Um, shelters recommend this. If, if you're in any kind of abusive relationship, whether it's verbal or emotional or anything, even if it hasn't gotten physical, uh, you should prepare one of those bags because generally speaking, it will escalate to that at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, since you mentioned that it's all over the internet and, um, I, I, I'm assuming there's a lot of people out here, there that don't, understand that they are actually participating in a a abusive relationship um what are some of the red flags that people could kind of get a feel for going into it so they can kind of like hmm maybe this is not the most healthy place for me to be are there things that people generally start to do from the onset that say wait a minute this is not going to be something i need to stay in well, you know, that's that's a really good question, and it is different. Everybody's going to present differently, but I will say that um, issues of control. Again, if you if you feel at all like the other person is trying to control what you're doing, who you're seeing, what you're wearing, what you're eating, um, or getting overly possessive, like jealous about really insignificant things, uh, those are all those are big red flags. Okay. <laughs> You know, um, and I, I love hearing the the tone of your conversation now. Um, like I said, it, for me, it represents a, a great amount of healing that has gone on. So let, let me ask now before I move on. How, how long has it been since you left? Um, okay, it's 2015, so uh, five and almost six years. Of, and has the, the healing process been um, – was it quick, quick and sp- or no no it was not <laughs> um, okay. and actually that's why it took me so long to write this book I wanted to write this book from the very beginning um, you know I got the idea as soon as I left but it took me years of being able to to process the relationship itself before I could be at a healthy enough place that I could take my lessons and and turn them into tips from other women, which is what I wanted to do, but it does take a long time to to remove yourself enough from the equation that you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and him have no contact at all to this no. day? Oh, no. Okay. Um, I, I'm asking because I'm just curious, although you're doing a wonderful job at protecting and respecting his 
his privacy, I was just wondering if he had gotten wind of the fact that you did write this book and if there was any sort of I know you're talking about me in this book kind of reaction kind of thing, but um, I've tried, like I said, really hard to um, not say anything specific. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know, and I hope not. <laughs> okay. Okay. But because uh, I, I do, you know, I'm I'm very much trying to take myself out of the equation and make it more a book for for other women. And not a book about me. <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. Okay. Okay. We got you. Now, so we're going to move on from the grab bag. So we've packed our grab bag, and I'm thinking the scary part of the process is I'm living in this house with this person who's controlling and manipulating. Like, where do I put this grab bag? That that becomes the next thought process. Yeah, you would not want to keep that grab bag at your house. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, if you have a good friend, if you have an office, uh, if you don't have any of those things, then you know you can get one of those storage lockers in a big city or something. Uh, you don't want to keep that at the house. Okay. You want to keep it someplace safe that the other person cannot get to it and would never know that it existed. Okay. Okay. Now. We've got our grab bag. We've packed it away, stored it away where he or she, let me be fair because, you know, there are some instances where um, the females are the abusive ones. So let me, let me be politically right. correct here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got, we've got the grab bag. So now we have to get the plant. So how do we start to establish the plant? Well, you know, I take readers in the book. I take them through figuring out what they've got. Um, so that's kind of where you start. You have to figure out what resources you have access to, mm-hmm. um, what resources, you know, how much those resources are. Because you may have a whole bunch of resources jointly, but mm-hmm. do you have, can you actually get your hands on them? That's a thing to think about. And if you don't have any resources, then um, how can you get some? So I take them, I give tips on that as well. And also thinking kind of outside the box and thinking about what resources you might have that you wouldn't have thought about as mm-hmm. resources. Um and then once you know what you've got, then you have to figure out what you need. And so I go through that um, with readers as well and talk about how much they're going to need to live on their own and also to get away, which I have in there, a sample escape budget to um, so that you have two different budgets there. You have one for just leaving um, because that costs money and uh, then setting yourself up once you're gone. Okay. Now, let me let me pose a hypothetical situation. So you have a lady who reaches out to you in some sort of way and she says to you, Sarah, you know, I'm, I'm in this relationship and um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I haven't worked for 10 years. He takes care of everything, but I need to leave. Um, h- how do you how do you assist somebody, uh, a female in that particular situation? Because I'm assuming that uh, she has no resource, financial resources to, to work from. How does that person get up and leave? Well, and, and I do go into that kind of thing in the book. I would say, one, if, if, it depends on whether or not she's in immediate danger. If she's, and I say this over and over again in the book, if she or her kids are in an immediate danger, they need to get out now. I don't mm-hmm. care how much money they have. They just need to leave. They can go to a shelter. They can go to a friend. Like, they need to get out right away. Okay. But if they're not in immediate danger, mm-hmm. if it's just a very unhealthy relationship or it's an abusive relationship on, on a different kind of level and they're not scared for, you know, she's not scared for her physical safety, um, then you've got some time to play with. And okay. if, if the other person is controlling all of the money and you don't have any skills, uh, you have several options. You can see if there's a way that you can sign up for some classes just with a community work uh, organization or something so you can start feeling better about getting some skills under your belt. You can also, a lot of those situations, um, the other partner will give a food allowance or um, that kind of thing. And if you start changing what you're buying or you start being more particular about, you know, I mean, it won't be much, but you can like... Mm-hmm keep some of that for yourself in a, in a different uh, place mm-hmm. so that you can very slowly start saving up from the money you get to run the house. Now, you have to be very careful uh, not to make it obvious that things are changing around the house. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do want to say, and I, I point this out in the book, too, I am not uh, a lawyer and I am not a CPA and I don't I don't ever want I don't want people to consider this. Uh, legal or financial advice per se, but it's just tips on things that you can think about um, 
implementing in your own life to kind of regain some control. Okay. Okay. Now, in your situation, um, you 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 said you picked up and moved back to where you had a support system, and I know that sometimes um, people don't always have that option. And you point out in your book that there are places where people can go. Um, how how do they start to find out? where their options to have a roof over their head after they leave this situation? Are are, are there some resources for them to go to? Absolutely. And um, I kind of go through a whole bunch of that in the book, kind of going through all your options about friends or family or shelters or roommates. Um, And if you don't, you know, if you don't have friends or family, then these are your other options. The shelters are really easy to find. Um, mm-hmm. If you need one, you can call, I think, uh, I believe it's 211. I put it in the back of the book. There's also a website that you can go to that will uh, direct you to mm-hmm. the closest one mm-hmm. for you. And um, to know if that's a, you know, a, a, the correct option for a reader, I also include a bunch of questions in there to ask the shelter so that they, the women, if that's what they're, if that's what they're choosing to know what's going to be expected and what they can and can't get there and that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Now you also mentioned, um, you know, we're, we're talking about stashing money away, the grab bag or whatever, but you, you also bring up something in the book that, you know, my naiveness, you know, about some of the situation, um, that is like, wow, yeah, that is true, is is the fact that when somebody's trying to leave and they're doing their research search and stuff like that, um, that you have to be careful of the trail, the track that you're leaving for yourself at home on websites and stuff like that. And it just never, I guess, never really dawned on me. But I, when you're in a controlling environment, I guess somebody is constantly checking behind you to see, you know, what you're doing, who are you talking to or whatever. So... What what does the person you're, you're out here trying to find a shelter to go to? But how do you cover your tracks after you've been on the internet trying to find some place to, to go to? Yeah, the, that's that's very important, um, particularly because one of the most dangerous times for um, women in abusive situations is when they are leaving, um, because that's when the other person feels like they are losing control, and so that's when they will um, act most extreme um so you know there are there are if you have to use a computer at home there are uh private modes you can use on browsers you can clear your history you can do all kinds of things like that uh ideally you'd probably want to use a different computer maybe one that the your partner can never ever access one at a friend's house or at the uh, library um or at work so that you would still Keep your um, trail away from them because you didn't. Yeah, you don't want that. And if and a lot of the other things that I talk about in the book, like opening uh, your own bank account or any of those things, getting a post office box, I talk a lot about how to even cover up those trails because you don't want the other person to know what you're doing. It just sounds so mission impossible to get to a safe place, but I guess it's just so necessary. Sarah, we're going to take uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk some more about the book when we come back. Just awesome stuff. Okay, thank you. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I am spending some time today with Sarah Hackley. She's the author of the book, Preparing to Fly, Financial Freedom from Domestic Abuse. And uh, she's been sharing with us some tips and pointers that she has in her book about getting your plan together, um, getting organized for that process of leaving a domestic uh, uh, abusive uh, relationship. And you mentioned something. It seems that they always know when you're trying to leave. Um, what what happens when your plan, your plot is found out? I, I would think that that would be very traumatic. Um, well, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Now, I do think that uh, that would be, it would probably be escalating um, the abusive relationship pretty dramatically. Um, so I would assume that that probably means you have to go ahead and leave. Um, 
don't do not do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars it's time to go today now so and before the break i had mentioned because i'm listening to you talk and and so many of us are i cannot say this enough so many of us are outsiders looking in you know we want to you know pass judgment and i would have did this and i would have you know so Listening to the story, it just seems so mission impossible, kind of like who should have to live their life. I'm trying to open up, you know, private bank accounts. I'm getting a post office box. I'm stashing this bag over here. It's, you know, it's almost like you guys are 007 people here, you know, so, you know, but I mean, it, it, it is so sadly, it is, it is a necessary process. And, and I, I just want to make sure that we get that, that out there, but it is, that is a strong determination and will that a person has to get to that place and be in, you know, I am done, this is enough, and in order for me to get out of this situation, I know I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I'm going to have to probably put myself in a position to to lie and scheme to the person I'm laying next to for a couple of months. I mean, the whole psychology of that has to be some heavy weight, Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, the option, the other option is to just leave. Um, if you feel that you can. Now, because it's so hard to do, um, and because both, both emotionally, it is very, very difficult to, to leave a relationship where you're loving the person, even if they're bad to you. Um, but you also, I mean, it's just money wise. It's just hard, especially if you have kids or you haven't been working. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of resources out there for once you leave. Um, there are places that you can go like shelters and, and there's support groups, but there wasn't anything when I was debating, I didn't find anything that helped me get from where I was to where I wanted to be. And that's why I wrote this. And yeah, some of the tips in there are, um, they are kind of Mission Impossible like, but uh, I felt like it was better to try that and implement those things so that I could be in a good place and I could stay gone. Um, so I'm hoping that that having some support and having the tips will help some other women feel like it's something that they can do. Okay. Now, because your book is is really on the financial uh, side of this whole process is it that um besides the emotional attachment uh, that the abuse connects with the abuser is it is the finances probably maybe like the second dilemma that keeps people in that situation or yeah research shows that one of the top reasons if not the top reason uh that women stay in abusive relationships is because of money they don't think that they have enough to leave or they don't think they have enough to to survive on their own. Okay. Okay. Now, some of these situations we have um, children involved. And you always, and like I said, you know, we always have these wonderful philosophical, moralistic questions as outsiders looking in. I cannot say that enough. And it's always helpful to talk to the person that's going through it or has gone through it to kind of understand it better but you would think as a mother you know you have these children and you say to yourself I don't want my child to see me or to grow up in this type of environment but yet we're here and we stay um what what is the philosophy behind that or what keeps women in in domestic violence situations when the children are there when we as mothers it it is it is our instinct to want better for our child it is. I think a lot of that goes, and again, you know, everybody's different, so I can't speak for all women, um, nor would I to, but I, I would say that a lot of the times it goes back to that self-doubt, um, that these relationships really create. So we might know on one level, on one part of us that we don't want our kids to grow up in this and we don't want them to see this. We don't want them to look for this when they're older. But at the same time, we're going to have a voice in our head going, well, but isn't it better for the parents to be together? And don't mm-hmm. they need to, don't they need a complete household? Isn't that better? And who am I to make the decision to take them away from, you know, their other parent? Um, it's, you know, women are really good, especially when it comes to our kids at, at going round and round in circles about <laughs> trying to make sure we're doing the right thing for them. Understood. Understood. Now, uh, you talk about this 
thing in staying staying free, you know, and I have seen this in my own personal experience with a, a good girlfriend of mine that I have, you know, there is this process, this recycling process where you do leave, but, oh, he says the right things or whatever, and then you go back, and then something happens again, and then you, okay, I'm leaving, and so, you know, how do you, how do you make that, that break like you did, and, and you stay away? Well, I think that's takes two different things. One of them is feeling financially secure um, and having a strong enough um, support there that you don't feel like you have to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, I think it's a lot of emotional work. You have to feel like you deserve to be free. You have to you have to feel like um, you deserve better than what you had, and that takes longer. Um, I think. But if you have the the firm financial foundation, then hopefully you have the time to do that work so that you stop yourself from going back. Okay. Now, you also talk about these things, uh, special circumstances, and you kind of mentioned that. What are some of the special circumstances of domestic violence that occur? Well, what I'm talking about there, the circumstances that might make it harder for a woman to leave. So um, I'm talking about if you're married, even though most people wouldn't consider that a special circumstance, it is. There are different legal battles that you have to fight. There are different rules. Um, Then if you have kids, obviously that's a completely different set of circumstances you're dealing with. Um, If you're uh, chronically sick, if you have an illness, um, that's something that has special considerations and might make it harder to leave. If you're pregnant, if the um, house that you're both living in is yours. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a completely different scenario. So I try to, I try to address, that's one of the reasons why it took me so long to write this book is I was trying to think of all the different circumstances that I could come up with that would make it harder for a woman to leave. All, all of the extra things that might make her say, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wanted to help bring up some good tips just for those particular people. So about half the book is is dedicated to those different special circumstances with very specific tips and, and things that you might want to consider. Mm. Now, I guess it's safe to say that sometimes you're just going to have to get to this emotional place where I am willing to walk away from everything um because like you said with marriage you know you have a couple who might have a house together so we have two names on a deed you know we have joint checking accounts where you know both of our names are so in order to walk away you possibly have to get into a place where look i'm i'm walking away from everything yes yes now hopefully um you'd don't have to do that forever. Hopefully, mm-hmm. if you um, if you are able to get away and you have enough of a you know you've had enough time to get your resources set up, um, both financially and even just support systems in place, uh, legal support systems or or um, childcare, those kind of things. If you get all that set up, then hopefully you can go back and, and reclaim some of your stuff when you're in a safe place and can do that. Okay. Now, two people that have uh, children together, your situation, you you did not have a child, but there are certain situations where people do have children together. So it creates a dynamic where you're still going to be constantly involved with this person because this person is the father or mother to your child. Um, is Doesn't that become tricky? Absolutely. There's actually, and I'm not even sure if I might have found this after I finished writing the book. But there are resources available for um, parenting with a high conflict ex, and I would recommend, um, you know, I would I would encourage women who are in these scenarios that have kids with their partner um, to look into that at some point once they get out, because there is a lot of the legal system is set up so that they really encourage co-parenting, but sometimes you cannot co-parent with a partner like this. Sometimes once the woman gets out, it's different, but um, a lot of the times it's not. And so there are tips and tools and all kinds of things and, and legal uh, 
resources for trying to do something called parallel parenting that pretty mm-hmm. much limits the interactions between the parents completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this because you've, you've went through this. I'm, I'm pretty sure you've worked with a lot of people who have gone through this. Um, in your experience, uh, do you think there is recovery for the abuser? I th- I think that that is um I want to say that that's possible. Um I do know that most psychologists will tell you that couples therapy does not work because mm-hmm. um you can't have couples therapy with an abuser because the entire thing about couples therapy is both owning responsibility for the things that are happening and um an abuser already thinks it's the other person's fault. <laughs> yeah. So okay. It, only makes things worse. But now, if if maybe the relationship ends, um, and you know the abuser has um, time, maybe gets help on their own. Um, I, I want to believe that certainly they could be a different person the next time around. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna be hopeful. Uh, some somewhere in the muck of things, we're gonna be hopeful. Alrighty, dear. We're gonna take our last commercial break of the day. Uh, we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Don't box me in. I have been chatting with Sarah Hackley today. She's the author of the book, Preparing to Fly, Financial Freedom from Domestic Abuse. Now, I want to encourage everybody to pick up a copy of the book because, Sarah, um, something beautiful happens with part of your proceeds. Can you share with us that? Yes. Um, for in the month of October, which is Domestic um, Violence Awareness Month, uh, Absolute Love Publishing, my publisher, if will donate $5 to the Sacred Sewing Room for each copy of Preparing to Fly that's purchased through the uh, Absolute Love Publishing website. So setting up those rooms is a passionate part of Enchanted Makeovers, um, which is a women's shelter good works program. And listeners can check out the Absolute Love Publishing website for more information on both Enchanted Makeovers and the Sacred Sewing Room. Okay, so they have to make sure, look, so I want to make sure we do this correctly. We have to buy the book from Absolute Publishing, right? Absolute? Absolute Love Publishing. Absolutely. Because we can't buy it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anything. We have to buy it from Absolute Love Publishing so that the $5 goes to um, the, the shelters, right? Yes, you uh, you can. The book is available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all that. But, yes, if you want to participate in the donation program, you have to buy the copy through the uh, Absolute Love Publishing website. Okay. And once again, the shelter that you guys are helping out are, are what again? It's it's not a it's not a shelter. It's a it's called Enchanted Makeovers, and um, she go. It's a women's shelter good works program. So she works with a lot of different shelters. Okay, 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 cool. So everybody needs to go ahead and do that. And like you mentioned, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I, I don't think a lot of people knew that. So it's timely that we're talking about this now. So after you have left and you've regrouped and you've gotten your life back on track what does Sarah's life look like now oh well you know I'm I'm very fortunate I get to spend time um I do doing what I love for a living um working on my books and other people's books and I get to spend a great deal amount of time with my kids um so I I think I'm very blessed Blessed. <laughs> very blessed, very blessed. So you do, um, well, first of all, let me. you have some other books out. We've been talking about this domestic violence in that particular book, but I want the audience to know you do have some other titles out. Could you give me those? Yes, I wrote um, Finding Happiness with Migraines, a do-it-yourself guide, which came out of my uh, experiences with chronic illness and um, one that didn't go away and the doctors weren't able to help. So that's again, another self empowerment book, mm-hmm. um, helping women and, and people of all genders and even all different chronic illnesses. I've been told that it's really helpful for, uh, all kinds of illnesses, not just migraine. Um, and I also have a poetry chat book out, which is called the things we lose. Okay. Okay. And you also do, um, 
editing and publishing and ghostwriting. So if somebody is out there and, and they need to be awesome and amazing in written word, they can contact you. So what 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 all do you do, Sarah? Um, well, I do uh, I do manuscript reviews for people who aren't sure um, if their manuscript is ready to be edited. Uh, I do comprehensive editing for authors. And um, that's everything from developmental dealing with plot and structure and then all the way through, um, you know, actual word choices and sentence structure and that kind of thing. And I also ghostwrite for uh, authors and um, individuals and for companies as well. Okay. And for them to contact you for your services, they go through Absolute Love Publishing for that? Um, if they – well, yes, if they want <laughs> I do that I do that through Absolute Love Publishing um and then if Absolute Love Publishing um declines a particular manuscript I also do freelance work. Okay, awesome, awesome. Now, uh let me ask the uh the tricky question here. Um sometimes as emotional recovery, uh, protection of ourselves. When we go through very traumatic situations, um, we tend to, to kind of be hesitant moving forward. Uh, have you found wonderful relationships after the situation? I have. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And did it take you long? Um, yes and no. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you, Get it, um, but like I said, the the actual um, getting them to the place where they deserve to be and you deserve them to be uh, can take a little bit longer. But you have to, you really do have to spend time processing the things that happen beforehand before you can really give yourself again. Okay, now let me uh, ask this: so if somebody comes into the life of a person who's been domestically uh, abused. What points or tips could you give to them in in the process of trying to grow and nurture a relationship? And I'm assuming the patience that you have to have with them, uh, you know, drawing from your own experience. What would you say uh, to somebody trying to to love on somebody who's been abused? I would say be patient and also don't get annoyed if they apologize for everything. <laughs> um, and maybe encourage them to not do that so much. Uh but just, I would say, just be supportive and also be kind. A lot of people who have been in these scenarios, um, a lot of the words that come out of other people's mouths are going to sound particularly harsh and particularly uh, combative mm-hmm. because we're a little gun shy. So the other person could try to be as kind as possible to help that tone, you know, tone that down a little bit. So at what point did Sarah learn and understand that it was okay to wear a particular shoe or to have a particular friend? Or do you sometimes find yourself still having those little small moments of doubt? You know, I still have those moments sometimes. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where I can go, wait a second, this is my life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't have to ask permission. I don't have to explain myself. I can do whatever I want. Um, and that's a very freeing place to be but I still have moments where I have to remind myself that I'm there (laughs) (laughs) you know I just you know um, it is so and I I said this before it is so much weight that people don't clearly understand and it's just it I'm just so impressed with the strength that it takes for somebody to say first of all I'm going to leave and second of all I'm going to recover and thirdly I'm going to share my experience with others in hopes that it helps somebody else and I just always think you know that just signifies so much internal strength in a person and it's always um confusing because it, it, it represents two different extremes the amount of strength that a person has to have internally to, to go through that process it was always there but at some point in time you were not that Sarah you know it- Yes, exactly. You know, it's just it's just amazing to to um, listen to the transition in your life and and other people's lives that um, you know you go through. And I I would hope that everybody would have that experience. But sadly, we do have some stories where 
not everybody um, gets out safely. Uh, and um, I'm hoping shows like that can kind of give people that little gumption. If Sarah did it, I can do it too. And, you know, but I, I guess I'm thinking, so you have this book out. Now, now that I'm just kind of roaming around here, you have this book out and somebody gets it. Where, where do they, like the grab bag, where can they read it at? Well, you know, that's one of the reasons why it is, it's both a paperback and you can get a digital version of it. So, um, the digital version is probably a little easier to hide. Uh, but again, if you, you know, not everybody is always at home. So you could have it, you could keep it at the office, you could read it at the library. I'm hoping that, um, we can get this in, in libraries all over the country. Um, and you, you know, take some, chapters i i made it short enough that it is not a very it does not take you know months to read um nobody has time for that so <laughs> so uh we're in dire need now we're in dire need now yeah um and so hopefully you know you can stash it someplace and uh be able to to read it at your leisure and when you have when you have time and still be able to implement the pieces step by step okay so um, I have encouraged everybody to go to AbsoluteLovePublishing.com, but what are some other ways for people to uh, pick up the book uh, before we get out of here? They can find it on Amazon. Um, like I said, both paperback and uh, Kindle version. You can also get it at BarnesNoble.com and, um, and then the Absolute Love Publishing website. Okay. And real quickly, how do uh, people connect with you if they want to uh, get your services for uh, ghostwriting or... Do you speak places? Do you do you? Go I do. With? Okay, so I so do. how do people reach you for that? Um, they can find me at sarahhackley.com. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, Miss Lady, we are at the end of our hour here. I've had a wonderful time chatting with you. My guest today has been Sarah Hackley. Make sure to check out the websites, absolutelovepublishing.com and sarahhackley.com, H-A-C-K-L-E-Y.com. Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, awesome. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week.